0: It's like family and I had to church again, so amen for that. Um, pray that it'll be a blessing to get some new glasses. These are, these are readers that I had for work primarily, and they do really good for close-up, but I keep fiddling with them because I don't like to see you all blurry. I like to see you all clear. Without glasses, I can see you clear, but if I look down here, I'm not going to work out so well. So that's why I keep going on and off with these things. But I have some progressive glasses coming. I've tried that before and it didn't work out. I'm hoping this one does work out, because I, I just don't like having to mess around with glasses. They also bend the frames a whole lot when you do that. But anyway, for those of you that might have been here last Sunday, uh, Brother Matt kind of left us hanging a little bit, so I'm going to finish what he started. Um, great message. Uh, we, we're, in, we're in Ephesians. We'll be there now, so if you want to put a place in Ephesians 4, that's where we'll go. Uh, but his message was about a oneness. But the verse right after that, verse 7 started out with the buttons. It's like, but wait, there's more. So I thought I'd just kind of study a little bit and see if I could bring the more to you uh, that, that is there. So that's that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer first. Father God in heaven, Lord, you, you gave us your word that we might be able to study it, to learn from it, to grow from it. You gave us your Holy Spirit, Lord, that would illuminate your word unto us to where we understand what it is you're trying to tell us what it is you'd like us to learn lord and now as i bring forth this this message tonight lord that you'd be with me allow the holy spirit to work through me to to share the things that uh that i've learned in my studies here lord in this this section of, of scripture and uh we just put all this in your hands tonight lord and just pray for everything to be done decently and in order we thank you in jesus name amen uh before we get into four, I want to go over to Ephesians chapter one just a couple pages back because I kind of went back and did a review of the first few chapters of Ephesians and there's there's this prayer of Paul that I thought really kind of called out how special or what his desire and what his passion was for the Ephesian church. And if you read the scriptures real quick, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of miss it. The other thing is if you haven't noticed, and this is something I found out when I was actually handwriting, I, I took the time to write out the New Testament in handwriting several years back. It, took, it was a little bit of a labor, but it was fun because one of the things you find out is whoever put these numbers in here didn't realize that sometimes there's like seven verses that are one sentence. And and you got to be kind of careful about that because sometimes you might find some pastors that go and grab one of those little sections and make a whole doctrine out of it and missed the whole point because it's all one sentence. And, and this is what we're dealing with here in uh, in 1st Ephesians, starting in, in chapter 15. It's basically one sentence all the way down to verse 23. But uh, as, as you're reading this, think of think of that early church in, in Ephesus that they knew, there's some people there that knew Paul. Paul's not there. He's sending them a letter. And somebody said, hey, you know, we're... Come tonight. You got to come tonight. I got a letter from Paul that we're going to share with the church. It's going to be great. So these these people, uh, part of the body that are in Ephesus, have come, and they hear this from the apostle Paul. It Says, "Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." So this is basically what Paul is praying for on behalf of these people of Ephesus. It says that God that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. One long sentence, but what a powerful... I mean, that's a prayer from Paul to these people. I mean, if that doesn't get them excited on on whenever that night was that they brought this message, I don't know what will. I mean, it's just... It's got to be able to restore, you know, the, the, the faith of those that maybe have been going through some struggles. Obviously, you know, encourage the faith of those that are, are new believers, since Paul was there personally many years prior to this. But that's, that's Paul's passion. He, re, he has a deep desire for this church to grow and to mature. And with uh, the message that, uh, that Matt brought last week, uh, he kind of talked about oneness, so my, my message, and I, I guess I gave it a title, is oneness of the body, diversity of gifts, and unity of the church, and that's what we see here in, in the verses between Matt's message and my message tonight is to look at the emphasis as Matt did last week. His, his thing was all about the oneness. In verses 4 through, four through 6, we've got uh, the word one. There's a sevenfold oneness in those verses where it talks about one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and, you know, so all those seven ones emphasize to all those people, again, you're dealing with a a mixed crowd here. You've got Jews, you've got Gentiles, but primarily for the Gentiles that were in Ephesus, they need to understand, there's not multiple gods. I mean, that area and that that crowd dealt with a god for every situation. We had a god for Monday, a god for Tuesday, a god for Sunday, a god for football season, a god for baseball season, a god for everything. Uh, So, uh, Paul just, in, his, in this oneness, it's like, look, you know, we don't have different spirits to deal with. We don't have different gods to deal with. We don't have a lot of different hopes. The hope is in our calling and in our faith and trust of Jesus Christ. And so we kind of set the stage there in this oneness and then came up with a fourfold, uh, a fourfold all pattern in the last, in, in verse 6, where it says, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So we know that Paul was from someplace in the south, uh, just based on that verse right there, because he was in y'all, uh, and so that's you know that should be encouraging. Um, but so you know, so Matt laid down that foundation of of the, the oneness, and it was it, it, a great message, and, and and gave us confidence to to know that that we you know we have one channel between us and our Creator God, and that channel goes from us through the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ on the throne to God. And the three-year one, and and we have that unity, and that's that's just really kind of special uh, to know about and to understand. But that's that was last week. So in in verse number seven, we see uh, again, as I mentioned, we see the word the word but here in in verse number seven in Ephesians chapter four, um, verse seven. It says, "But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ." There are multiple gifts. I mean, salvation is, is a gift of God. There are multiple gifts. There are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives unto us. There's gifts that are given to people to, to, to deal with the church, and we'll get into that. But the thing that I thought was interesting about this is, yes, there's, there's a gift mentioned here, but it says the measure. And I think that's really important to understand is the spiritual gifts that we have go to people in different measures some people have more than others and that's not necessarily a bad thing uh but that's the way the holy spirit has has planned it out you know it's like this person's going to need more faith than maybe somebody else this person's going to need to be able to give more grace than somebody else this person's going to need this or this person's going to need that holy spirit understands our needs and he gives us what we need in measure based on what our needs are from from his perspective again his you know, the Bible talks about God as the fact that his ways are not our ways. Well, from the Holy Spirit's point of view, his ways are not our ways either. We we think we know what we want. We think we know where we're going. We got our plans. The Holy Spirit, again, being being God, understands what is what is best for us. And I think I mentioned that before. Um, so we, we see this word here, and I mean, it could be used as an adverb or noun or preposition, but... In this case, it, it is a conjunction, and a conjunction brings a couple different thoughts or, or, or phrases or sentences together. And in this case, it, it looks at a contrast. So we're kind of contrasting this idea of oneness with the idea of, of gifts and, and different measures of different, different gifts coming together. Um, so, again, it says in verse 7 that, "...but unto everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ." The first spiritual gift we're dealing with here is is this notion of grace which leads us to salvation because obviously a couple of pages back and it's something you all know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved. By faith it's a gift of God, again mentioning it's a fact it's a gift, it's not of worthless any man should boast. So nobody's going to save themselves uh, and if you hear anybody that says, yeah, you know, I finally decided to get myself saved, uh, you need to talk to them a little bit longer and share some scripture with them, we, we don't save ourselves, it is a gift of God. Uh, we have to have faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, but it is a gift of God, and it's through Him uh, that we, and His grace, that we are allowed to be to be saved. Um, and so, uh, it will take. And, and, and if you think about it, it takes grace to fit in to the body of Christ. We all have to have a measure of grace because we're not all the same. We all have different periods peculiarities we like certain things about certain people or don't like certain things about other people it's grace that's going to allow that body to mature and again especially when you're talking about Jews and Gentiles coming together in the same environment to learn about this this new you know this new thing they heard about called salvation in Christianity and and following Jesus uh, I'm sure there was a lot of Jews in there that maybe the Gentiles didn't like, and I can guarantee you there was Gentiles that the Jews weren't too crazy about. But it took the Holy Spirit that indwelled them to give them the measure of grace they needed to get along and focus on the main purpose they were there as a body, and that was to grow in in Christ and grow in the knowledge of Christ, uh, which is why I, I, I grieve a little bit when I, when I don't see a, a full house of people that, that should be here because... If they're not here, that measure of whatever gifts they've got is 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 not here. It's not present. It's not being. It's not being used. It's not being. You know, we can't share our gift. They can't share their gift. So uh, that's that's an unfortunate thing when we when we don't have all the people that uh, that could be here. Obviously, there's reasons why some people aren't here with sickness, travel, and all that. But but those that could be here should be here. Uh, We're missing that piece of the body, and uh, I can tell you from having my gallbladder removed a couple years ago, missing a piece of your body is not a good thing. Uh, They took it out and said, "Oh, you don't need it anyway, but I can guarantee you I needed it. There's been several instances where I thought that probably would have been helpful to have that thing back. So anyway, uh, missing parts of the body is not a good thing. Um, So it does take a little bit it does take different measures of grace to fit into the body. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12:7, 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with uh, all. Again, if, 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 we're not, if we're not all together as, as one body, one focus, under one Lord, one God, one teaching, then, uh, then, then we're not going to get everything that we should get. Um, it's interesting, there's a little segue. I, I, I've often wondered why 8, 9, and 10 are there. Uh, and I still do because it, it's a strange little segment. Because you get verse seven that talks about a gift, and then you have to go all the way down to verse eleven to hear more about it. But as I studied this, it's interesting. It says, "Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men." That's actually from Psalm sixty-eight eighteen, and it's kind of interesting. Because I think what Paul's trying to do here again, you have to understand Paul. He was he's, you know, a, a Jew of all Jews. He's an Israelite. He was he was taught by the best. He actually spent three years out in the desert to learn more because he obviously missed something by not knowing who Jesus Christ was. But he understood his old testament inside and out. And I think he went back and grabbed this this psalm because if you look at the this, the whole psalm, it doesn't really say when it was written, but it gives an indication that it was written during the time in First Chronicles when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from Obed-Edom up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Again, Mount Zion isn't very high, but it was the highest point in Jerusalem. And it's the idea of, you know, God ascending over his people, and they got the spoils of work because David has just defeated the Philistines. So it's an interesting contrast between God, again, taking care of his people and giving them gifts at that point in time to then when you get down to Nine, it says now that he ascended, what is it, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth he that descended is the same also that set it up far above the heavens and again that he might fill all things i guess they didn't want to say with all again but the same concept fill fulfill all things so here we've got that correlation between something that god did in the old testament and and jesus christ and it's obviously talking about jesus here when you look at nine and ten Uh, John 20, 19 talks about when when Mary approached him in the garden. He says, you know, touch me not uh, because I have not ascended yet unto my Father. So we know that Jesus ascended. Uh, Take a look at just go back to John and John 3 real quick. Take a look at something here. John 3 and... But basically, it's, it's another reference to basically Jesus ascending ascending up into heaven. The de- hmm? 313. Now that you say that, I think it's 313. Yeah. Thanks for the help. I only had a three on here. I forgot the one, which is really kind of important. Um, so, yeah, 313. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. So here you see both ascending and descending, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So... Again, and that's, that's Jesus Christ. If you've got a red-letter Bible, that's Jesus' words there. So he's, you know, testifying to his, to his own ascension and descension. The other thing that's interesting about the descending part, um, and I don't this probably isn't news to anybody, but when Jesus Christ was on the cross with the, with the three, uh, with, the other, with the other thieves behind him, and everybody's saying, what did this man do? You know, he, he, he did nothing worthy of, of crucifixion. Uh, Jesus looked at that man and said, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. Which is kind of an interesting thing because paradise belongs to the Old Testament. When the saints of the Old Testament would die, they would go to paradise. Paradise was in two different columns. You'll read about in the Old Testament how the rich man and Lazarus, for example, in the Old Testament, one went into Abraham's bosom, the other one was in Hades. They could see each other. They, they said, Hey, you know, could you get just dip your finger in some water and give me, you know, quench this thirst? So there was there was two chambers in, 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 in paradise at that time. One of the things did you know Jesus Christ did after dying on the cross? Before he went to heaven, he went and led captivity captive, which is what it's saying here in verse number eight. He led captive captivity, so he went and took the saints that were in paradise and took them to heaven with him at the time he ascended onto heaven. Which I thought was kind of interesting because I was kind of always wondered about you know what happens to all those people in the Old Testament that believe by faith. I mean, you you your your salvation or your your uh, your relationship with God is, is through faith. So it wasn't, you know, obviously the Old Testament saints weren't, weren't saying, gee, I hope, you know, I hope there's a person called Messiah that comes because that's what I'm going to put my trust in. No, they put their trust in God in the Old Testament. And so those people who put their trust in God and would die, would go into Abraham's bosom. But Jesus took them out of there and took them to heaven. That's why now in our day and age, since the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the Bible's really clear, absent from the body is what? present with the lord right so we know you know we know what our path is now we're not going to go you know down to paradise and and have to wait and and come out of there Uh, we go immediately into into our 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 lord's uh, loving arms and that's that's a blessing Um, so we we see this small little section here eight eight nine and ten um in verses 11 through 16 again we have this we have this long sentence and it's all one sentence and verse 11 through 16 it says and he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Make, make an increase of the body unto the identif- edifying of itself in love. That's a lot in one sentence. You know, that sentence and then the one I read at the beginning, there is, there is so much information in there. Um... That, that I'm sure Paul you know, took time to, to explain to them in his various visits and things like that. But it lays the foundation, um, and so it says, and he gave some. So if you, if you go from verse 7 kind of down to verse 11, you get, you get given grace, and then we get some apostles, some prophets, and on and on and on. Ephesians 2:20. It might be back one page, maybe two, depending on how your Bible's laid out. Um, and it says, "And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets; Jesus Christ himself being a chief cornerstone." The foundation of the church was in the apostles and prophets. Except for a group in Utah, we don't have more prophets, <laughs> uh, you know, to speak of. God doesn't have prophets anymore. God's got his word. It's his complete word. It's it's a word we can trust. It it's God breathed. The men that wrote it wrote down what God wanted them to write down. This is God's word here. Back then prophets were kind of important because again they didn't have they didn't have a completed scripture. Uh, so they had to, you know, they had to rely on, again, those people that were gifted with a gift of prophecy. Would get messages from the Lord that they could convey onto the people uh, of God in the various churches that they were associated with. But the apostles, again, the apostle for the most part was somebody that had to to have lived, you know, kind of through Jesus' ministry. They they knew Jesus personally. Uh, They didn't really have to get, you know, based on their memory, the Holy Spirit would bring things into remembrance, but their remembrance wasn't secondhand, their remembrance was firsthand. So an apostle that, that went out to the church, whether he was an apostle in Jerusalem or wherever he went to, could tell you about, let me tell you about when Jesus fed the 5,000. I was there. Let me tell you about when he walked on water. I was there. Um, if somebody comes up to you today and says, let me tell you about when I saw, you know, when I saw this guy walk on water, probably not. Uh, we, we don't have that going on anymore. So the foundation of, of the body, the foundation of the church was built on the, on the apostles and, and the prophets. Um, and apostles again, they had an intimate knowledge of Christ and his ministry on earth. Prophets, again, are more just a, they're a mouthpiece for something that God wants to make known. I think you, you'll see that there were some prophets that talked about the fact that there was going to be a, a drought in an area. And, he met, and the prophet brought that message to the congregation so they could do things to help people that would be affected by that. So they they had a purpose then. Uh, When we look at uh, the next part of this, we've got prophets and then we've got evangelists. Not a lot is said, really. There's only one. who, Who remembers from the Bible? Who's the evangelist in the Bible? What's his name? There's one person who's called an evangelist. Philip. Philip was an evangelist. Philip had a pretty good relationship, apparently, with, with the Lord because he had four daughters, and they were all prophets. So, again, prophet wasn't an office. It wasn't a position within a church. It was a spiritual gift, and apparently these four daughters of uh, Philip had the gift of prophecy as well. So it wasn't limited just to men or just, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something of that nature. If if the Holy Spirit decided you should have the gift of prophecy, then he laid that on you, and you, you kind of knew it. Um, so Philip had four daughters, and, and, and they were all prophets. Evangelist means a bringer of good tidings. Um, basically somebody that's going to herald the gospel. Uh, it's interesting that I know I've been in a number of revivals, and sometimes even though it says that they're an evangelist is to bring good tidings, uh, sometimes their tidings aren't that good from my perspective, and it's only because I'm getting my feet stepped on. Uh But the thing that they are bringing is tidings or should be bringing are tidings from the Word of God and messages from the Word of God. And more often than not, in my Christian life, as as I grew over the years, um, the messages got a little bit more enjoyable (laughs) over time because they weren't kind of stepping on me and and pointing their finger at me and things like that. Um, In the men's meeting, uh, Matt brought a a challenge to us. And and one of the things that made me realize in his message was the longer we're with the Lord, the longer we're saved, we don't have to deal really so much with with sins in our life of of commission, meaning things that we know that we shouldn't be doing. We know it's not right to lie. We know it's not right to drink. We know it's not right to swear. There's a lot of things we know and we've learned over over our Christian life that you just don't do those things. But what happens to the saints that have been with the Lord a lot longer, we forget about those things that we should be doing sometimes. And those things are, are omitting the things that God wants us to. We, you know, we get lazy maybe in our church attendance. We get lazy maybe in our Bible, Bible reading. Those kind of things, quite honestly, as far as I'm concerned, because Matt brought up in, at, at men's meeting, you know, grieve not the Holy Spirit, right? That grieves the Holy Spirit, quite honestly. In my mind, I have to think about it this way, that that kind of stuff grieves the Holy Spirit as much as lying and adultery and you know, any evil sin you can think of. Not doing what is very clear in black and white that we should be doing as believers and followers of Jesus Christ that have the Holy Spirit within us to guide and direct us is is just as bad I believe in, in god 's eyes and I think if we if we look at that way at it that way, it might motivate us a little bit more to to not omit those things that 's very clear in the scriptures that that we do so that was you know I appreciate that lesson on on Saturday Matt that brought that to our attention that you know, we can we can kind of slack off on things sometimes and make excuses for some things. And oh, I heard that before. Or, There's not going to be anything new tonight for me or whatever. Uh, you never know. Um, you, you know, if if you if you miss church, you're not going to know what you missed because you weren't there. I mean, it's pretty, pretty obvious. And and the the body is lacking. And so uh, we just we need to we need to be as, as strong a body as as we can. Um, so it gets into evangelists. We've got an evangelist coming in, and we're continuing to pray for uh, for the Brother Beal that's that's coming. Uh, he'll be with us all week, and I have no idea what he intends to preach on, but I can pretty much will guarantee you he's probably already working on the lessons now and, and, and hopefully working with the Holy Spirit to determine what we should have, and that whatever it's going to be... Um, I want to be here every night and make sure that I don't I don't miss anything, you know. I'd hate for, I'd hate for me to say, well, you know, I'm just, back's a little sore, feet's a little sore, whatever, you know, I'll listen, I'll listen, that's our scapegoat now, new technology. I'll just listen to the message on, on, on Facebook or the internet or whatever. That doesn't replace being with the body. It just doesn't. I mean, it's nice that we have that technology for people that are shut-ins, but Again, we just grow too complacent, and knowing that that's there to say, well, you know, we'll just we'll just kind of listen that way. Um, there's a reason why Paul was so emphatic to the Ephesians that the body be in unity and allow the diversity of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given them to work to not only build up the church but to edify one another. We don't have spiritual gifts, so we can we can go around boasting about. Well, you know, there's nine gifts in there, and I bet you I got eight out of nine, and, you know, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You don't go looking for gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you those gifts. You know, you should know kind of what gifts you have just by your conduct, just by your character and all that. You shouldn't have to take a test and, and say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work really hard to get this gift. The Holy Spirit gives you that gift, and it's evident in, in your walk. Other people can probably tell you what your gift is better you know, than you trying to figure it out on your own. So if you want to know what your gift is, you could ask your other brothers and sisters in Christ because they could probably point it out to you. I know, you know, I, I know generally who's got a gift of hospitality and helps. You know, I look to Matt and Amy over there. I mean, if, if you ever need something done, <laughs> he's not, you know, for what it, he's, just, he's just always there. And, I, you know, that's just, that's just the way it, and that's, that's a spiritual gift in my mind. Uh, you know helping people helping members of the body do things that that maybe they're not skilled or not talented enough to do or whatever and just uh, just being there and then building up the church itself the body of Christ and you know just the helps to go all the ladies you know that that do the work that when we have fellowships and things like that um, it's the holy spirit that's guiding and directing you hopefully to you know to 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 do that kind of thing and, and to be a help to that uh, all the work that got done here in the church over several weeks. I mean, if people didn't have certain gifts of administrations or operations or things like that, that work would have never gotten done. It's only through the Holy Spirit giving gifts onto the people within the church to, to get that done. Um, so that's, you know, that's just really, really an important part of it is, as well. So, so we've got evangelists, and then we get into. The, the last couple, which is kind of interesting because it says, "In some pastors and teachers. Uh, I find this interesting because I've heard a lot of different preaching on that. I hope I'm not going to uh, get anything wrong here. But when I see pastors and teachers, that's really, there are two separate gifts here. There is a gift of a pastor and a gift of a teacher. But what's interesting is if you go back and look in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, in that same list of the gifts that were given out of the church, it doesn't master, mention pastor. It mentions teachers, uh, and I found that interesting. And I think I, I think I understand why. Uh, the word pastor is only one time in the entire Bible, and that's it, right there. Pastor and teachers. It's not it's not anywhere else. But the, if you look at the word for pastors and what pastors are, what they're a shepherd. So all the other times that word is used in the scripture, it doesn't say pastor, it says shepherd or shepherds. And if you think about it, what does a shepherd do? Because I can, I can definitely ascribe the characteristics of what a shepherd is, you know, to, to Pastor Swanky without any problem at all. I don't have to worry about, is he a pastor? Because that's what, the, that's what the word is. It's shepherding the flock. It's making sure that the people are being fed, making sure that they're protected from things from outside, making sure that if there's a lost sheep, they're brought into the fold. You know, so if you think about the things the way a shepherd interacts with which is sheepfold I guess we're all just sheep because that's what a shepherd does takes care of, takes care of the flock and make sure that we're you know that we're fed from God's word to make sure that we don't we don't go hungry now we could starve ourselves by not being here when the word's preached but he's going to do everything he can to make sure that we don't go hungry because he's always in the word of God sharing with us so that's part of the you know what a shepherd does for his sheep if they're sick you know he watch he watches over them he prays for them Provides you know prayers and supplications for them like we all do for one another, uh, so that that gift and that measure of, of shepherding is separate then from teaching because that word teaching forty times that word teaching is is translated as master in the Bible. Jesus is called master quite often by a lot of the people that heard him preach or heard him teach, and that's the same word that's used for master. So it's kind of like you know they're they're put together. Because you, you really can't have one without the other, but they don't, um, they're not interchangeable. So basically, and I'm, I, I made a note on this and I didn't want to lose it because I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> um, you, can, you can't say that anybody that's got the gift of pastor is going to be a teacher, but you can say that anybody that has the gift of teaching could obviously be a pastor type of thing. So there, it, It's not it, not. it doesn't work both ways. Um, yeah, here it is. So while the Apostle Paul is linking the two closely together, it's better to regard pastors kind of as a subset or a part of that larger group of teachers. Because again, as I talked about in Corinthians, when you look at 12 and all the other gifts that are mentioned there, pastors isn't the mentioned, but teachers, teachers uh, is mentioned. So the, the larger group of teachers, in other words, all pastors, all pastors are teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting the way that that works out. Again, we're not talking about the office. Uh, that's a whole different lesson, another story, another time, and I'm going to let the pastor take care of that because it really gets complicated sometimes to look at the offices within, within a church, and that's not what we're here for tonight. We're talking here about the diversity and the measure of gifts we're given to build up each other, to build up the church, and, and to make the church grow in maturity uh, to Christ. So, again, pastors, that, that Greek word, poimen, uh, is the Greek word, meaning shepherd. Again, feeding the flock, keeping us all together, caring for those that are hurting, bringing lost into the fold. All the work that you would see a shepherd do in the field is what somebody has that gift of shepherding would, would be onto, onto the body. Um it's 1 Corinthians 12:28, actually, that has the same subset of, of gifts, but doesn't doesn't mention pastor in it. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12:6 and 7, it talks about diversities of gifts, differences in administration, and differences of operation. Again, so not only do we have the idea of a measure of how much of it a gift a gift that, that we have within us. But there's multiple gifts. Not everybody has every every gift that's mentioned. I can guarantee you that. But I can also guarantee you that people probably have more than one gift. Uh, matter of fact, I know they do, uh, just from my experience over the years. Uh, but it, again, it's not something you work for. It's something you're given by the Holy Spirit. So um, usually your spouse can tell you what your gifts are. I, can, I know what I know what Helen's gifts are. I, just from her character and how she interacts, you know, with with. Uh, with the body, so to speak, at, at church and things like that, so we know, you know, we know what gifts are out there, but there, there are diversity of gifts. So, God, in His infinite wisdom, within a body of Christ, if you were able to see kind of under the covers and say, okay, well, we got 50 people in this body, and here's how the gifts are diversified, and you look at that list, and you go to another like-minded church, independent fundamental Baptist church, and look at that body. The whole balance of who's got what gift and to what you know to what level is probably going to be different because the Holy Spirit's going to give what that body needs for the people within that body where and where they're at within the level of maturity and growing as a church body, and a church body never fully hopefully never fully matures. Now, a church body can die because it doesn't mature, but again, as new people come in, they're going to be down here. They're going to be hearing about spiritual gifts for the first time. It's up to us to, to build them up, to help you know, to help work with them, to help give them uh, the knowledge from the Word that they need to grow as a as a baby Christian into into a mature Christian. And that process is continually going on within within a church within the lifetime uh, of a church. So um, it's it's really you know that it's really important that that we understand that there's diversity of gifts, there's difference of administration. So how somebody applies. Uh, hospitality. So you got you got like a measure of hospitality, and then you've got how that's administered or how it's pers- you know perceived or, or or done within the body, and then you've got the notion of diversities of operations. So all of that all of that stuff is basically tools that that God has through His Holy Spirit that He He, he allows you know us to operate as as a body of Christ, um, and it just you know. It it amazes me sometimes. It probably shouldn't, but it does. When you get into the Word of God, how God has everything taken care of for us. I mean, we still have free will, yes, but He's got everything taken care of for us. There isn't there isn't any situation that really He hasn't thought about. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He's a, he, you know He's made sure that Holy Spirit gives us what we need so we can function properly in the body by helping others. Um, they're just you know He's He's provided. He's provided everything we need. Um, And so this, uh, basically another way to put this would be that a spiritual gift then is the ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively in word or deed for the strengthening of someone else's faith and strengthening the body of Christ. That's really what it's all about. So when I started the message, we talked about oneness and then we talked about diversity and about unity. So We've got the oneness that Paul mentioned about last Sunday. We've got the diversity through the Holy Spirit and the gifts. And if you want to read more about the gifts, you can go into Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. In 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of information in there. It talks about the gifts in Romans, and I may come back and, you know, when I have an opportunity to preach again, either continue on maybe with with some thoughts here in Ephesians or uh, get into that a little bit more I just need to make sure the pastors here before I do because it's, it's one of the it's one of the scary things I don't know other men that have, have had to fill in think about but you obviously want to make sure you're not going to uh, say something to where when the pastor gets back he says we need to talk you don't want to do that that's not a good thing usually so I have to I, 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 I hesitate sometimes to to share something before I kind of share with the pastor saying well here's my outline here's my notes or whatever Uh because you don't you don't want to do that that's just wouldn't be good um but i i i have uh, i have an interest in in understanding uh the gifts of the spirit but i don't have to work at it is the thing i don't have to say gee that looks like a cool gift i want to get that one and that's what that's what some of these people were doing When paul talks about the, the gift of tongues people just they thought that was the greatest thing to slice bread i got to do tongues you know hey you do tongues teach me how to do tongues you know it's, Paul said, hey, you know, basically he said, knock it off. You know, it's just you go don't 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 go down that path. Because the gifts aren't for our if edif- they're not to build us up, they're not for us to boast about, they're not for our benefit. They're for the benefit of the body, they're for the benefit of the other believers. So a um, lot of a lot of good teaching on on spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians and that. Um, in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, it says As every man hath received a gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We do what we do. We've got the gifts that we have for the glory of God. To, to basically worship worship God, thank God for, for sending Jesus Christ for our sins. Uh, that's, that's really what it's all about. And if we, will, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to work through us and accept the gifts that he's given unto us to continue to share with the body of Christ and allow the body to grow up in maturity, then we have the oneness, we have the diversity, and we have the unity in Christ. So um, I just wanted to, kind of like, a, I felt like I was doing a Paul Harvey thing and trying to give you the rest of the story. From what we got last Sunday and and hopefully I I filled in some blanks there and like I said maybe you know maybe next time if I get an opportunity uh, to share some things with you then I'll either get back into Ephesians or I'll have some time because I want to get back into my studies it's been a long time since I really studied a lot about the gifts I know a couple of the gifts that are that are really important that I think everybody kind of has and that's the idea of of knowledge as the Holy Spirit wants us to continue to gain in knowledge from the Word of God. And the only way you're going to get knowledge about the Word of God and how he wants us to behave, how he wants the church to behave, is again through being in his Word and understanding what his Word said. And the Holy Spirit is there again for that specific purpose, to illuminate the Word of God to us, so it's it's imperative for us to be in the Word so we can allow the Holy Spirit's gift of knowledge, whatever measure he's given us of that, and sometimes we need to go to other, to, you know, wise counsel, the pastor preached about that out of of Proverbs, sometimes we need wise counsel to help us with the knowledge that, you know, and our understanding of what's in the Word, and then the other one is wisdom, because there's two different things, we can have all the knowledge in the world but not be too bright, as to how we apply that knowledge. So wisdom is, again, another gift that certain people have moderation, which is why we're called to uh, seek out wise counsel in some cases because our wisdom, the gift we got of wisdom, might not be quiet enough. We need to go somebody that's got a little bit more of that gift and, and check things out and get some additional wisdom. So uh, how the Holy Spirit operates within our life is, 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 is fascinating to me, and I just I thank God every, every day that, that when Jesus left, uh, I can't imagine what it would be like if he left and didn't give us a comforter. I mean, it just—I don't know how we'd function. Quite honestly, I mean, it, 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 there had to be something there to to help us grow from from a baby Christian into uh, into a more mature Christian, where we can actually help the body. So, anyway, that's what I have for you tonight. Hopefully, there was something there that might have been a blessing to you. So, thank you for your attention, your time. Have a good night.